Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. This is Brooke Stenick, and I've wanted to have this kind of podcast conversation with her for quite a long while, but when she was working incredibly hard in the fitness in- industry here in Connecticut, she really didn't have much time on her to do anything other than build these up these clubs that she worked for tremendously challenging work well the good news is she's not doing that anymore and she actually has a manageable job even though it's national in scope maybe international in scope much different than almost anything she's ever done that i know of but she sounds poised confident happy looking forward in the four months that she's been with this company to lots more learning, lots more change of the good sort, a lot more growth. So this is a, this is a, a happy story and I'm glad to make it the first podcast I brought back in a while while I was working pretty hard, very hard actually on uh, fulfilling Peter Vale's manuscript, putting in some of my own thoughts and words and that's coming along very well and it will be available digitally quite soon. So I'm back to podcasting, and here is the reason why. Brooke Stenick. Well, folks, it's been a while since I have recorded a conversation with anyone because I took a bit of a hiatus, as I reported in my last uh, commentary about sudden ends and positive beginnings when... The young man who helped me get through the first two and a half years of podcasting with all of behind the scenes uh, production work, has uh, moved on to uh, complete his MFA and I cheered him on as I've done for everyone who's been a student in my life and Anthony sure was. But now and that I'm figuring that back of the uh, scenes kind of thing, out, I want to have some conversations again with people who are tremendously impressive and practitioners of whatever they care to practice. And that's the key to this whole series. And so Brooks Stenick has um, come aboard to have this conversation. And I really thank you, Brooke, for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. Very honored. <laughs> it's mutual. Uh, Brooke was a Firon Duran scholar. When she hit that peak in her senior year uh, at Central Connecticut State University, I, I guess after that, Brooke, anything else you achieve in life, you know, will never compare, right? It didn't really, yeah, nothing really <laughs> else matters from that point on. I peaked. <laughs> you peaked? No, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it was uh, more uh, like a boost. Uh, speaking of shots in the arm lately, and I, I felt for the several folks that have had this recognition from Joe DeFeo, Duran, and, and for me, that I already saw something happening, some thing moving toward uh, an intentional <laughs> excellence of any sort, but it, you weren't one in my introductory management class who would simply phone it in. There's a lot to write, a lot of questions asked, a lot of things happening in the classroom, sometimes two or three things at the same time. And I remember very clearly 
that you were not faced. <laughs> do you remember that or am I just making it up? No, I do remember that. And your classes and the things that you made us do were actually the most enjoyable for me, even though it at some points was the most amount of work that I was doing and I'd have to go home or at the dorm. I was there for half a semester. I didn't really like dorm life, but I would have to come home and write a lot. And it was a challenge, but it really made me connect to myself and and find my internal motivators and who I wanted to be. So it was probably, you know, the, the numerous classes that I took with you changed me the most as a person and as a student and as a professional and brought me to where I am today. So I am very grateful that I stumbled upon intro to management way back when that was geez, 2011, 2012. It was around um, then. About, yeah. So yeah, 10, 10 years, years ago. ago. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and that course introduction to management, it was like one of the, you know, Oh God, I've got to take this course in order to fulfill my requirements for the business school. And uh, I chose to teach it for just the same, very reason that I wanted in quotes, kids who uh, thought, oh, God, well, at least it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays at a time that I don't have to get up early. So I made a eight o'clock class, <laughs> you know, perverse as I was. But my point is that I wanted them to stumble just like you did. Come in, ask for a syllabus. Well, it's all on. It's all online. Ask for uh, set there ready to take a lecture. No, I, I don't. I don't lecture. Mm -hmm. uh, I present hopefully interesting ideas and we have conversations about it. And also, by the way, you're in teams. You remember that your teams? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't, so, I don't remember faces so much, but I do remember the teams now that you bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. And that gave you a group to be with every week for the rest of the 15 weeks. Now this mm -hmm. whole conversation isn't just about that, but it, in a way it is because here's an experiment that Peter Vale and I, have, uh, I keep it going. We both saw in our former students something. We, that's something that I just mentioned earlier in this conversation that gave us an idea that no matter where he or she would be along the trajectory of their practice life, we would, we would still see the, that something <laughs> emerging and uh and everyone gets to define what that something is but in your case it's if people were listening to what you just said it's in the tone it's yes i do remember that yes i had to work hard at it yes but it sounds like you embraced that uh as mm -hmm. an opportunity to get some value out of your of your tuition that you were paying mm -hmm. and the time you were putting into it. So over time, we connected a couple of times as you were making some career choices. And uh, then more, most recently, geez, it's been over a year though, uh, you were opening up uh, 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 the marketing side of a fitness club right near campus. Mm -hmm. And I was unfit, <laughs> not on, I, I lack fitness. Let's put it that way. I'm unfit. You know, it's not quite the right word. And that's when we reconnected. But since then you've made some changes Now that club had to, had to shut down during the worst part of the uh, pandemic. Yep. So would you just catch me up for the listeners as well as me 
on what transpired, because let me put it this way. You had momentum still, you had spirit still, you were recruiting and bringing in a really impressive team of market people who snagged me and made me feel comfortable <laughs> and got my money. <laughs> and uh, in that, that it was a pretty uh, aggressive marketing organization, the, the club that you work for, and they were spreading mm -hmm. out opening clubs, spending a lot of money. And it was a beautifully done facility. But then you weren't there anymore because what happened and you don't have to talk in any detail about the the various places you've gone but it was a, a, like a rock skip after that for for you for a while wasn't it yeah yeah and actually you know timing was kind of on my side because everybody was under the impression that i did leave um that company because of the pandemic but i actually put in my resignation two weeks almost two weeks to the day that connecticut shut down as a whole due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I was on my way out. Um, I had another position lined up with a private fitness studio. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at that point in time, I felt like I maxed out my career where I was at, even though I had a great run, I had a great team. I loved what I did there. I was very proud of my accomplishments. Mm. Um, but there was just something that was at the pit of my soul where I, I realized it's time for me to move on and I had to move on. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was, you know, my passion wasn't there anymore. I wasn't motivated to be at work. Um, so I made the really hard decision to move on. Mm. So my two, gave my two weeks, fast forward two weeks. Now I'm completely out of a job because I was leaving the fitness industry to go into another um, fitness studio, but they were also out. Um, because of the pandemic. At that fitness studio, I was set to open a new location as well. Um, but with the break that the owners had to take and, um, you know, being shut down for three, three full months, they lost the space that they were going to open. Um, so they brought me in as a lower level, you know, assistant manager to, and pretty much a right-hand man to, to this, uh, one of the studio managers that they already had. And I was there Jeez, I started back in June. I was there until the next March. Mm. Um, realized that it wasn't a good fit for me either. You know, studio manager in that space was the highest that you could be. And I'm a mm -hmm. person that's motivated by what's the next step? What can I do next? Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. how can I excel and propel my career? And it's not something that was feasible in that company. So then I moved over to retail sales, still on in the fitness industry. Um, and I was yeah. all in the fitness industry. Yep. Mm -hmm. And after I was in my position, I was selling fitness equipment, um, high, high tech fitness equipment and the role that I interviewed for. And I got, you know, there, there were, there was a pathway there that wasn't really delivered. And after being there for three months and I had to go back and, and, work at the original gym that I was hired at as a part-time, just front desk to make ends meet. Oh, um, that had to be yeah. tough. It was very tough. And after 90 days, you know, it, I was working seven days a week. It, it was very tough. Um, but I realized, okay, I can't do this long-term. I can't, mm -hmm. this is not sustainable. I can't excel where I want to be if, if I have to work two jobs. So unfortunately I had to give both of those up, which leads me to my current role which is completely out of the fitness industry. And now I'm a recruiter in the consumer tech vertical for K-Force, which is a great um, professional um, 
staffing solutions company. And it's been amazing. I've been here since June, even though every day feels like my first day because there's so much to learn. Yeah. Long story long, I guess. No, it's that's, a wonderful, it's a, that, it is, that's where it, I've been. <laughs> it's a wonderful story. And it only, you know, this whole period we discussed would for some people was when they were just sitting around waiting to be able to go outdoors again. And mm -hmm. for you, it was very commendably that you decided you wanted to keep paying your bills and you were mm -hmm. willing to uh, do what it took to keep paying your bills. You didn't want to just fall on, on, uh, on hard times, even though the times were hard. And that's one of the things in our thinking about practice that you have to changing circumstances and some of them are not all that great. And some of them turn out to be much better than you hoped. And then there's some in between to look better in that, in the case of the near the near last job where it looked like this time you were going to have a chance to grow in that particular organization. And then it didn't turn out that way. Now, what I picked up on and I hope everyone else did is the sound of Brooks Stenick talking about her current role because whoa <laughs> the the energy is there uh and the particularly love the phrase i look forward to every day because there's so much more new to learn mm -hmm. and and that's been a huge part of our uh, our thoughts on practice now is that because you're in now out of the fitness world which you could draw on constantly from your you know, really extensive amount of professional and personal knowledge of, of the fitness world. Is mm -hmm. it partly because when you were, you started out in the K-Force world that not as much of your, so let's call hardwired knowledge worked right away there. And you kind of had to open up a, a new head for that or a little bit of a, a little bit of both. It's definitely a little bit of both. Um, during my career in the fitness industry, I was heavily devoted to sales and like you said, marketing. And, um, you know, I was a sales manager for gee, six years in my career where I had to recruit new members and that's all mm -hmm. I was responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, so in a way it's connected, you know, I'm still in the business of people, but instead of selling them, you know, a gym membership or fitness, um, I'm selling people to the, our end client or, or getting people jobs. So um, it's still really great because I'm connected with people and I love speaking with people and I'm still making outbound calls every day and, and learning about different lifestyles and cultures. And I sit on the East coast, but I actually recruit um, over on the West coast. So it's really great. I get to talk to people all over the country, which is really awesome. Um but then there, there's things that, you know, I, I was not a tech techie person before I could never, you I didn't could really never edit this podcast. No, you didn't. You didn't. It over you. Will you edit this for me? No, but uh, <laughs> I was thinking one thing that definitely would be different. All the roles you described up until this one were largely uh, local in the sense that mm -hmm. your communication networks were pretty much bound to the Connecticut region. And mm -hmm. uh, in order then for you to do the work that you're now doing, you had to master, uh, well, this technology that we're on now, which is relatively simple, but it's not so simple when you're trying to use it to get engaged with people and create uh, some kind of a relationship long enough so that they will say, oh yeah, no, that sounds, you know, you're selling it a different way, I guess. 
what other uh, technical challenges did you face when you came on board for this particular role? Yeah, just learning the the consumer tech vertical was is is still it's a challenge every day and learn you know I had no idea about coding languages and what people do on a day to day basis but um, so that was probably one of the biggest challenges coming in but also like you said conveying my message over the phone I had a lot of over the phone experience but it was in the Connecticut region and that was it mm-hmm. and people on the East Coast were go 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 so if you you know we tend if we get people on the phone especially in in the sales industry up here in the Northeast. We talk and talk and talk and talk, but we really have to listen in the recruiting industry, um, which was another learning curve for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, listen, regarding you mean listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Not, not talking so much, not leading somebody to the answer, but rather asking them the questions to get the answer out of them, mm-hmm. um, which is huge. But, mm-hmm. you know, going back to, yeah, the tech it, it was tough, but that's stuff that you can learn, um, which, you know, I was told pretty early in the in the interview stage. I interviewed five or six times with the company. So it wasn't an easy, you know, shoe in for me mm-hmm. to, to get into K-Force. But with that, um, my interview experience, I got to meet a lot of professionals in the industry and that have been in the industry for, you know, over 10 years. So it was really great to hear from them and, and learn about the company and, and how supportive they are with their employees. Help us understand essentially what K-Force does. You mentioned you're, you're in the business of helping people find jobs. How mm-hmm. does that work? I, I, you were just explain that a little bit. So yeah, sure. people can Google actually, it. They can see it on online, but I think if yeah. you, yeah. And so my perception of what recruiting is, is actually the complete opposite of what it actually was. So I started my interview journey kind of backwards. My expectations were a little backwards. So, and most people, they think that, you know, you go to a recruiter. So doc, if you need a job, you come to me as a recruiter, I'm going to source and I'm going to look for different jobs that match your skill set. And then I get you a job. It's Mm. the other way. So our what? client, so, yes, right. So I, my mind was blown. I was that like, does I don't not know make if sense. I can do this. Um, so our clients are actually the businesses or the corporations that are hiring. So for mm-hmm. instance, I'm aligned with the Amazon team. Amazon releases a role to us and then we source the candidates, you know, interview the candidates, screen them, put their profiles together, send them over to Amazon with the hopes of getting them an interview. So it is backwards from the mass conception of what recruiting is, but Mm. it makes a whole lot more sense to do it the way that it's done. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, I think for everyone concerned, well, particularly for your role, I'm imagining that having the specs, you know, pretty well laid out from what Amazon wants or any other business client your company may have, they say this is the role and it's pretty well specced out. So that mm-hmm. gives you a lot more t- of a target when you are looking at the pool out there mm-hmm. and looking for matches. Now tell us a little bit about how do you find that people in that pool? Where, where yeah. How do you reach them? Right. So it's all about networking and making connections, which, you know, we definitely did in not only your classes, but the other classes that I was in at central. So, when they tell you to network, it's it's not a facade network. Definitely yeah. do it. Update your LinkedIn. Um, so we source through through different platforms like LinkedIn or Dice, Career Builder, Indeed, and we create what we call Boolean strings, and that's how we 
narrow folks down by their tenure, their location, what skills they have, buzzwords on their resume. And then it's a lot of outbound messaging calls, um, emails, follow-ups to get them on the phone and make an appointment with you to, to talk about their background. Now, back in the day, I mean, about two years ago, people apparently from the trends that I've been watching were saying, well, I'm okay. I'm employed. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well set. Mm-hmm. And then we went through the pandemic. A lot of people got dislodged, including you. And so for, you would think that there'd be lots of lots of people hungry uh, to resume work on the other side of this, uh, of the spec of the spectrum. But here's what I also am picking up that it, the people have learned a lot during the time that they weren't working as I believe you have about what really makes them tick, what makes their life worth living. And mm-hmm. it may not be, you know, just grabbing the first offer that comes across their phone or, mm-hmm. or their other email that they may be wanting more. Do you see that at all? And if so, oh, what definitely. That, what's that like? <laughs> yeah. And the market is super crazy competitive right now. It's very hot, especially in, in the tech world. So the biggest thing that we focus on and um, K-Force is, is a huge advocate of this. And one of the reasons why I think we're the best talent solutions company, at least in the United States, is we really make it a point to find people's motivators. So, you know, if they are open on LinkedIn to new roles, why are you looking for a new role? What's, you know, what's going on at your current role that you aren't fond of? What could they have done differently to keep you on board? Um, But also some people, you know, they realize that family time is really important to them. Or if they get to work from home, they don't have to have the extra expense of childcare or, you know, their, their parents can help them out if they can be at home together with their kids. So finding those external motivators too, not just in what matters to them professionally and their professional growth, but also what matters to them outside of work too, and how it relates to what their current situation and then what we can help them um, get into is super important. And I'm glad that I went through my experience because I mean, I was working in the fitness industry. You don't stop. I, you know, I describe oh, I know. it as a rock and roll to, lifestyle. I actually used to worry about you because, you know, I, I would come to the club fairly frequently and you, you look pretty lovely but tired Tired. (laughs) i'm thinking this is a this doesn't make sense this is a fit this is happy place this is fitness everyone but you you were you were working a lot of hours because you were sometimes pushed into the role of you know kind of being the officer of the day and and some of those things and and you did make it clear to me when i kept trying to chase you to get one of these podcast conversations i don't even have it i don't have an hour (laughs) that was a you were really but that's shows you something about yourself you you are uh, you have enormous work ethic and i suspect oh, yeah. by now you've had to learn how to kind of put that into perspective because you know right. now folks she's engaged but oh, i didn't she's engaged <laughs> and her life is going well so you don't want to be working 24 by 7 do you no and it was you know getting out of my original position um that that you mentioned where i looked tired i was tired i was working a lot 72 plus hours a week um Mm -hmm. and it really was a a rock and roll lifestyle which i enjoyed and at you know 
probably up until the year before you realized that I looked like that, I was doing great and I loved it. And then it all kind of caught up to me and I was getting older and, you know, I met my boyfriend at the time, who's now my fiance and it, you know, life catches up. It really does put things into perspective. Um, I'm still a hustler. I love to work, but now I do it from eight to five. And when five o'clock hits, I can turn my computer off and I don't have to worry about work for the rest of the day, which is another reason why I love the place where I'm at. And on top of that, I can turn my computer off and I'm already home. So I don't have to commute, which is also great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's easier on everything. But what about those California hours? You, you Don't you have to sometimes be working at night like we are right now? Sometimes, not frequently though. My team, my my director and my manager, they were really great. And I through the interview process, um, I, I felt pretty empowered, which was also very attractive, you know, coming into a new company because they they asked me, you know, you're gonna be on the East Coast. We're recruiting you for for this company that's in the greater Seattle area. You're gonna be talking to people in California, you know. Where, do you feel like you can be successful working East coast hours and by them pitching it to me like that, I was like, it's a challenge. I'm up for it. Um, but I also want to get out at five o'clock. So yes, I will do whatever I possibly can to make it work. And I've been super successful so far. There are times where it's one or two off, you know, calls that I have to do. Um, you know, Thursday last week, I worked till six 30, but it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, so I'm very fortunate for the flexibility and also the team that I have behind me, knowing that if I do have to hop off at five o'clock my time and I have a scheduled call or a candidate that needs to call me outside of my working hours, that they'll pick up the slack for me. Um, so, so far, so good. You know, I've been here for a little over four months now. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the math right. Five months. So. Now you mentioned a team and uh, yes. you've always, as, as far as I know about what you did previously, you always worked with teams. You were, mm -hmm. you had your own skill set and specialty and you had an also a, ability to see the whole, but um, now there's a team that's doing something quite uh, remarkable in that you are in, I assume you are t you're recruiting largely for people for that particular client who will be in their technology side working mm -hmm. Would be customer relations, that kind of thing. What, what specific kinds of roles are you recruiting for? Yeah, so me personally, I I kind of bounce back and forth between functional and the technical side of things. So technical roles, I'm I'm heavily um, aligned to quality assurance or software development, um, technical program managers, project managers, and then on the functional side, I've also supported accounting, financial services, financial analysts. Um, sometimes business analysts are thrown in there, but those are the main roles that I've seen so far. Um, we have two two other recruiters on my team. One is heavily aligned with the functional side. The other is heavily aligned with the technical side. So, um, you know, right now is kind of my learning. Um, it's I'm in my pathway now to find what what my groove is. So whether I'm better and more focused and motivated by the tech side, or if you know the the functional side works out better for me. So I get to do a little bit of both. You get a little tickle for one or the other right now, or are you just trying to keep an open mind? You know, I, it's or funny. You could be because, an integrator, you know, you could be both. Yeah, I, I enjoy both. I really love and enjoy the tech side just because it's so new to me. And I learn something new every day just by talking to the candidates that I speak with. 
you know, I, I did take finance courses and accounting courses. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to me, it's, you know, it's part of my past. Okay. It's business, it's numbers. <laughs> all right. But the tech, the tech side is really cool. We get to work, um, you know, with Amazon and some NDA projects that, that, mm-hmm. um, that they're hiring for. So it's really cool and fascinating and innovative with, um, with the emerging technologies and, and the different, you know, projects that we get to support. So right. I like the tech side a little better. I, I, I can see it. Now, what do you, what do you um, pick it when you have a successful um, hire, you brought someone to the, the gate, they came through and eventually there was a hire. Is there a particular quality that you think now you're seeing a pattern in those in those people who make it all the way through? Um, and I mean more of a personal quality than just, uh, you know, their acumen for, you know, uh, zeros and ones and all the other things. That yeah, yeah, definitely. So I and this goes kind of for my team too, but we look for people with good personalities. You know, mm-hmm. when, when we're sending somebody in for an interview, they're representing not only themselves, cause you know, it's, it's going to be their name on the paycheck, mm-hmm. but also K force too. And, and our personal reputation, you know, the hiring managers know where, where the candidate comes from. Um, so a good personal personality com- communication skills is the, the number one thing that I look for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, technical skills can be taught. And even if somebody is, is junior with their technical skills and they have a great personality and, you know, they persevere and they show that they're eager and willing to learn, I feel like that's that's the most important quality that I look for. And some of those kinds of folks have made it all the way through. Do you get any feedback yet? It's only been four months in terms of how the higher science yeah, so actually I- happens. Yeah, I have four placements so far. Um, my first placement, she's great. Like I could, t- I could call her up and talk to her on the phone like we're friends, um, which is that's awesome. That's a good sign. That, that's that, a good, yes. good sign for K Force too. Yeah, you know, yeah. She probably is grateful for you, your your organization. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've yeah. had good feedback there. And then um, my three other placements are relatively new. They're not even a month in yet. Okay. Um, but they, I, I do consultant care calls, so they've had good experience so far. Um, we'll get our survey, our surveys back because we do have surveys the first 30, 60, 90 days of their project. And then the mm-hmm. last 90, 60, 30 days of the project too. Mm-hmm. So those haven't come in yet, but we'll see the results. I'm excited to see. Now, one of the basic ways of thinking or the basic way of thinking that Peter and I laid out in the podcast, as well as in the book that I'm finishing with with his last words, uh, is that results is, is, is hugely important to anyone who's committed to practice. Uh, you saw it in the fitness world. Certainly people set their fitness goals. You saw how those who quit versus those who kept on and achieved the results and, and the results themselves then became motivators for, for going for, for higher uh, goals. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to watch and it's a wonderful thing to experience. But mm-hmm. um, in your case, it seems to me that you have a position now where a really, really effective hire on behalf of your company for your client is an important result for you. How does it feel like that first person who came through and got hired? Oh, she felt like, I feel like I'm her biggest cheerleader. 
I was so happy when, when she got through the interview, she was happy with the team. They were happy with her. It was, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the flip side too, I recently had a candidate who went through the interview. She got an offer, um, but she also had a competing offer. Like I said, the market is really hot. So it's, it's something that we come across more frequently than not at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but her and I had such a good relationship that, you know, she, she broke the news to me that she was taking the other offer, but in hindsight, I think it was the most logical step for her career. Um, and I supported her a thousand percent, you know, there was no hard feelings and Mm -hmm. she's, she's going to start at the end of this week. So I emailed her this morning and asked her how she was feeling, you know, it's it's coming up and she was like, I'm so happy that you're so supportive. And it's, and that's the networking piece. You know, you you support good people. It'll come back to you. She's on a six month contract. Hopefully she comes back to me after, but um, <laughs> in the meantime, she's going to tell some other people in, in her, in her network, Hey, you know what? This company has real human beings mm-hmm. <laughs> who really are. And when I, you know, I could have not given her a win. Instead, she was very supportive and very kind. Now that's the kind of message that'll, and expend your reputation very, very well and provide you some, uh, not some, because I know they're, they're not necessarily coming directly to you for the next job, are they? But you know that they're out there. How do you, let's say that she finds five other people similar to her in personality and, and all the rest. Is there a way that they can become sort of uh, in your, uh, in your, on your radar screen, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, at Keyforce, we do have a referral program, um, mm-hmm. which I, I did talk her through that, that specific candidate. So if, if you have a referral, you refer them to Keyforce. If we place them in a role, um, you get an, a monetary incentive for that. Um, but it say she had, you know, five or six different people that I couldn't place right now, or I didn't have a role to get them submitted. I could mm-hmm. keep them in my pipeline. And then if something was, the right fit, I could reach out. We can also market candidates to either our client. So say I'm, I'm not aligned with um, a product manager role mm-hmm. at this time. We don't have anything open, um, but I could market a great candidate over to my account manager. Now our account manager, he's on team K-Force. He's a K-Force employee, but he holds a relationship between K-Force and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could market a certain candidate either to a hiring manager that he's close to, or he sends that candidate over to that hiring manager. If they don't have something, then they could go into their network. Or if I think that say X candidates, a better, um, a better fit for Nike's culture, I could also send he or she over to Nike and they could also help her get placed too. Um, so it is, it is a huge network. Um, I've been in sales for a really long time. I've been part of teams for a really long time, but the, the camaraderie and the amount of teamwork that goes to, into it, even though there, there's less team success and more individual success sure. than, than what I've been experienced with in the past, but the way that people come together and support each other and, and help each other be successful here, it, it still shocks me. 
And it's all virtual, right? So far? It's all virtual. Yeah. So my whole team sits either in um, the greater Seattle area or our account manager. He's out in Oregon. I'm the only one out here on the East Coast. We do have, um, I'm aligned a little bit with Microsoft. So we, we have the same director. So I meet with the Microsoft team daily as well. I have some folks in uh, in Tampa and um, down down south, but I'm the only I'm the only New Englander on our team. Is Case Fourth does it have any place where they can say this is our headquarters, or is it also quite virtual? So um, before they were they were all on site. Um, K Fourth has over sixty locations nationwide. Mm-hmm. So you know the Seattle team they. They do have a building, mm-hmm. <laughs> a standing building in Seattle that that they used to meet at. Um, with the pandemic, though, everybody you know pretty much got sent home, and they've been living mm-hmm. in the virtual world since. Um, originally, their headquarters were in Tampa, bef- right before I joined the team, or, or maybe right after. So I joined late June. Um, they sold the building, but they are planning on opening a new headquarters, but it's going to be more of a hybrid. So yeah. the the buildings there and the space is there for you to go and to meet clients or coworkers or have coffee chats. Um, but we'll still have this virtual world too, which is really great. And that being, being the East coast and particularly new England, uh, mm-hmm. that gives you a, a, a bit of stability, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, you're in a strategic place and role and yet you don't have to think, oh, gee, I have to pick up and move here. I may have to pick right. up and move out there, which was the way back when you were a student. It was if you were going to change companies, a really good chance you couldn't stay in Connecticut. And some people mm-hmm. didn't want to. But still, it's uprooting. And now you're away from your roots and all the rest. And this has given you the best to me listening now, the best of both worlds for you. It's incredibly exciting. Yeah, you're absolutely. the companies that you're helping find talent, which, by the way, I think is the the top priority for these companies that want to continue and look really good in the market, in the stock market mm-hmm. and everywhere else. That's a big role. And they're they're really interesting companies, very dynamic, always changing. And a lot a lot of them now, even Amazon. Guess what? It's middle aged or a little older now Uh, it's been around for uh, 20 plus years. And some of the folks that are in roles, there, moving up, retiring, changing. And so there's an opening now for the, the, the new generations that you're uh, I'm not just concentrating on, but they're there. And they're the ones who particularly in the technology side are most likely to be as excited about uh, the being in the emerging side of business. Um, as you are. So mm-hmm. it's all looking damn good. It is. It really is. If you told me, you know, on graduation day that one day I'd be working from my sister's old bedroom, you know, recruiting quality assurance technicians for Amazon, I would say you're out of your mind, but it's the world that we live in right now. And it's really great because the opportunities really are endless. And, you know, the, the kids graduating college now that, you know, the world is their oyster. They have so much potential, so much opportunity, and they don't have to have that mind shift of, oh, if I want this role, I have to move. Um, especially with the more well-established enterprise level companies, because they've mastered this craft. You know, at my first day I was set up with my laptop. I have another, um, another desktop. I have my keyboard. I had everything ready to go for my first day. Um, and I couldn't believe that it was a little over one year that we were living in this environment and they had everything figured out. So it's only going to get better and let, and, 
less seamless going forward. Oh, I think it's wonderful. Now, I have to tell you, you must not remember right after class one day, I said, Brooke, this is what you're going to be doing 10 years. Oh, yeah, I forgot that day. <laughs> you're going to be in your sister's old bedroom. <laughs> you're going to be right. <laughs> Gee whiz, I always say, how soon you forget the wisdom of your old professor. I know, Doc, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this, and we are on, down to our last few minutes, but I mentioned at the beginning that I had a bit of a hiatus uh, particularly so I could get way ahead on, and I have gotten way ahead on working through Peter's original manuscript, adding my own narrative to his conjectures about practice. And it's been a great um, use of my, of the months since I have not recorded a new podcast, but now you've got me all excited uh, because I want people to hear this. I want them to know you. I want them to hear the tone that I mentioned at the beginning of, of this, because you have like, you had, I recall very nice that you had two um, persona when you're my student. One, you were quiet. I knew you were listening, but I'd see when you were writing, because that's uh, what we did. We wrote continuously online. Everyone could read that there's a lot going on there, but then we'd start some of the team exercises, you know, some of my little silly exercises and the competitive Brooke would come roaring oh, up. Yes. <laughs> you lit up. I mean, like, who the hell is this? <laughs> we had, I, I know we're, we're, you said we're down to our last few minutes, but I do have a funny story for you. We have, um, we, we do t team building exercises, you know, just mm -hmm. like, like we did in class. We do that every day during our board update, even though we're virtual, we still do it. Um, and sometimes we play Kahoot. I don't know if you're familiar, but people listening might. And it's, it, everybody logs in, it's online. It's like a quiz game. You can either make your own quiz or have, have other quizzes. And we did our first one. I was like, not even 90 days in, but my team knew me. We meet every day, but I was more quiet and reserved and I was listening and I was learning a lot. And then we played Kahoot and I made sure I came in first. I was like, I am not losing this. And everybody was like, where is this girl coming from? And I'm like, yeah, I'm super competitive. <laughs> I really am. So every time we play Kahoot, I like, we get into it now. <laughs> well, you see, you haven't changed a bit, but I, no. I have, I, I know, and I'm the one who's saying we don't have many minutes, but I have to do one more reminiscence for the benefit of our listeners. While Brooke, was my student. And afterwards, after she uh, graduated, you were an, a co really competitive equestrian. You, oh, yeah. you had a horse and you did. competed at least nationally, didn't you? Yeah. So I showed on the AQHA circuit um, and I showed at the highest level that you can on that circuit and in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Now, folks, Central Connecticut, little New Britain, <laughs> a bunch of all of us who had to work for a living. And that's why I love the students. Everyone worked, worked, worked hard, constantly worked. But at the same time, out pops this equestrian who you would more expect to be at some posh <laughs> school. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, that, that only, you know, like we had a, uh, we had a, a school right here in, in Connecticut with it students could bring their own horses and put them in barns. You remember that down the road here in Simsbury. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there's this 
magnis- magnificent equestrian. You you showed me pictures of of the horse and 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 you know so you you've changed but you haven't changed. I think that's my take on all this. Yeah, not a lot has changed. Now that I look back, <laughs> really not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Been through a lot, but I've not changed. No. But you now you you're winning you're winning results for deserving candidates uh, for these very discerning companies. They're not going to just hire anyone. They have you and your team doing a lot of the finding, screening, refining, and sending on the ones who are most likely to succeed in their companies. That's a Mm -hmm. great role. I see you in this role. Here I am telling you your future again, just like I did 10 years. Let me write it down. (laughs) (laughs) I see you. This time, no rock skips. I see you with this company a long time. I hope uh, long so. enough so that you can settle the other aspects of your life. You you may not have to const- live for the rest of your life in your sister's old bedroom. You may actually have <laughs> a house with your own home office and a wonderful That's the next goal, yes. And yep. a wonderful husband and mm-hmm. uh, a dog. Yep. Maybe. maybe a horse down the road. Maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So thank you. This has been delightful. And you have motivated me to get back on uh, the mic and back out, uh, reaching out and lining up some more wonderful folks. But you, uh, you're one of the best. Oh, thank you, Doc. You too. I would not be, I could say this with full confidence. I would not be where I am without you. Um, of course, if you're on Duran Scholar, but also that management 101 class, it really changed my life. It really did. It's so corny to say, but, um, you know, I'm, I a thousand percent believe that I want to be the person, the graduate, the professional that I am without, without you and your guidance. So thank you for everything. Wow. I appreciate it. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify. Automatic and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon.